0: Emotional consideration for growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank, KPMG, and the General Building Contractors Association.
1: This is Growing Greater Philadelphia, bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11 county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. Yeah.
2: Hey everybody, welcome in to the next edition of Growing Greater Philadelphia. We're really thrilled to have joining us today our good friend and great colleague from KPMG, Sean Hand. Sean, thanks for being with us. Matt, I'm pumped to be here as always. The number of hospitals top hospitals and medical organizations, shown in our 11 county neighborhood. It's truly unmatched. And these professionals, they continue to produce innovative procedures and systems and research. And this week, we feature a novel initiative that is truly transforming the health outcomes of people all across the region. And it's really due to a very specific patient-focused program. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. And The theme for today's
0: show is Do No Harm, which is a great title, but it's definitely an understatement when you listen to the people that we have on today's show. And Matt, you know, I'm the son of two lifelong nurses. I even married a nurse. She's an oncology nurse navigator in the Penn Health System. And so uh, while I'm not in the medical field, just sitting around the dinner table my whole life, I'm constantly learning so much about the medical field. And the one thing I'm always taking away is that it's really important in medicine to remember that it's about helping patients feel better and just live longer, healthier lives. And it's not so much about treating the symptoms on the surface necessarily, right? And so that's why I was so excited that we were able to connect with these two incredible organizations that are providing access and support to medical services for that patient focused initiative for those in our community who need help the most. Totally.
2: And I love, Sean, that you're actually living this every day, at least through the kitchen table conversations that you have with your mom and dad and your and your wife. And
0: even if I want to talk about myself, sometimes
2: we go back to the medical field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's really great. And you know who else really understands that? Our first two guests. Jill Feldstein. She's the chief operating officer. And Klesita Daniels, Jill's colleague. Jill is a community health worker, and they both work at the Penn Center for Community Health Workers. This revolutionary organization has created a real model program. It's known as IMPACT, and they are supporting high-risk individuals by actually hiring people from the local community to serve as advocates. And these folks are helping those high-risk patients navigate that sometimes intimidating healthcare arena. And here we hear from Jill. She explains just how this organization got its start.
3: The origin story of the program is really actually kind of exciting. Probably almost a decade ago, actually, there was a very visionary primary care doctor and pediatrician, I think, who really wanted to figure out how to reach beyond the hospital and clinic walls in her own care of patients and really help patients, particularly those who were dealing with not having enough money, be able to really address a lot of the factors in their lives that were making it hard for them to stay healthy. It was a neat time to be thinking about that because a lot of stuff was happening in the policy and financing environment that was putting more and more accountability, if you will, on healthcare organizations to actually be responsible for the healthcare outcomes of all patients around things like hospital readmissions. So this doctor built a, a multidisciplinary team. So leadership from the University of Pennsylvania Health System, researchers like herself, but also patients to really design this program that's called IMPACT, which stands for the Individualized Management for Patient-Centered Targets. And the concept was... Very simple, really, that people who share life experience with patients are really well positioned to be able to help them address things they might need. So we started by interviewing patients. We hired a woman from West Philadelphia, Ms. Tamala Carter, who sat in people's living rooms and kitchens and talked to them about their experience with healthcare so that we could figure out how to design this program. And we also asked patients what they thought of this idea of someone who shared life experience being able to help them kind of on their healthcare journey. And the result was very positive from patients. And the health system was also invested in the concept, again, because they were thinking about how do we address problems that we have as an institution, like sometimes unnecessary hospital readmissions or sort of improving quality scores, for example, making sure that patients feel good about their experience of care at the hospital. So those twin desires, really wanting to help low-income patients be able to focus on their health and be able to solve some problems that the health system were facing, was the impetus for the creation of the program. And that's how we were able to design the impact community health work program.
2: And you had referenced that it's kind of a straightforward idea, but share with us, if you will, that aha moment, if there was such a thing and when the team at Penn realized that there might be something here.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. It's interesting because the concept of community health workers has been around for a long time, like centuries, really, both internationally and in the United States. But it's interesting because most programs actually, even though the concept is so simple, this idea of people who kind of share life experience and are a lot of times people refer to community health workers as natural helpers. The idea seems so intuitive, but most programs, unfortunately, hadn't been successful. So I think one of the things that was really interesting about the design of impact was the attention that was paid to learning from the lessons of history and one of the key lessons why programs tended to fail for sort of one of five common reasons. One example of that is hiring the wrong people. Mm. Um And so we put a lot of time and attention into thinking about where do you recruit to find these natural helpers? So you're not gonna be able to post a job description, for example, on the Penn Medicine website and find the right people. You've gotta go out into the community, sure. into churches and talk to block captains, really get to the grassroots level where people are and really look for the person who's maybe not the loudest person in the room, but the person that everybody naturally gravitates towards to talk about their problems. So that's one example of the ways that we designed the program by kind of learning from past mistakes of other community health worker programs. And so, you know, an aha moment, for example, was when we got funding from the health system to expand the program. It started just with two community health workers in a randomized control trial. And the results were very good. They were published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. They showed improvements in quality outcomes, helping people get to their doctor's appointment after they were in the hospital, 25% reduction in hospital readmissions. So Penn Medicine thought after they saw those results, we really want to invest in this center at Penn Medicine, both to kind of support patients here, but also really try to be a national leader around advancing the field of effective community health worker programs. So an aha moment was really then having to go out into the community and find, you know, we grew to 30 community health workers working at Penn in a pretty short time. And, um When I met people like Clasida, it was pretty obvious that we had found the right people to be community health workers.
2: And share with us a little bit about the evolution, because this has really gone from almost a public health initiative to a business model that is requiring a a level of investment that delivers very targeted goals of success, but doesn't in a way that's financially responsible as well.
3: I think from the beginning, we really always wanted to work in three main areas. The first was research. You know, we started as a a research initiative in terms of doing a study of the effectiveness of the community health worker program. And we continue to kind of research what makes effective community health worker programs and kind of continually test our own model in different settings. So, you know, in doctor's offices, in hospitals, with different types of diseases, with different types of patients. So research has always been part of what we do. The other thing is really having grown to become part of, as I mentioned, routine care at Penn Medicine. So I think there's about 7,000 patients in the Philadelphia area that have gotten connected to an impact community health worker. And then the third part of our mission is really to share what we have learned and in some ways to really level the playing field for community health worker programs across the country and help organizations of all sizes from federally qualified health centers up to big you know, health systems or insurance companies avoid reinventing the wheel. I do mm-hmm. think we did a lot to kind of figure out what makes programs successful. We've been able to test the model in three randomized control trials and continue to see very strong outcomes. So we want to share what we know with other their organizations so that they can take this concept and really be successful, both, again, to the benefit of patients that they serve and also to their institution, as you talked about in this financially responsible way.
2: Right. And you had mentioned there's about 7,000 people in the greater Philadelphia region that have been part of this program in some way. Did you have those moments of milestone celebrations. We hit twenty-five 1,000. We hit 2,500. We hit 5,000. Was it that kind of euphoria, if you will? Or was it more of, all right, this thing is chugging along right how we need it to to go?
3: I remember in our first year, we had grown pretty quickly. And I think our goal You know, we wanted to off the top of my head, I think it was like fifteen hundred patients was going to be in our first year. And I remember we had a team meeting with all the community health workers and their supervisors and saying, you know, this is how many people we want to work with. And it had started small, you know, probably in the first year we maybe saw 200 people. Mm -hmm. So to get everyone in a room and be like, we're going to, you know, multiply that by seven, you know, that was a big moment. And we definitely had a party (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) when we hit that goal.
2: That's great. And were people like, yikes, or people like, yeah, we can do this.
3: People were really excited. I mean, I think one of the interesting things about the program, and again, this goes back to the hiring, is one of the most common refrains we hear from people that we hire as community health workers is, I've been doing this work my whole life but you know I just maybe haven't gotten paid for it or hasn't been my profession or my career and so that's been a great joy to really connect people to work and a career ladder a career pathway that they find really satisfying and compelling and so everyone was all in and in fact as an organization you know we talk regularly about What are different types of individuals that we want to serve? For example, there's a lot of interest from within our own organization about expanding the model into the prisons and really helping people who are coming out of jail. So we have a funding proposal in to do that work. So I think everyone that works in the organization at the Penn Center for Community Health Workers wants it to keep growing and getting bigger because they know the impact that it's had on individuals.
2: One of the things I wanted to share and talk with you about based on your experiences um, and being native to greater Philadelphia, I know that we are a city and a region of firsts, first medical school, first school of pharmacy, first hospital. And I would suggest that this sounds like it is a first as well. I mean, granted, as you referenced, community health is kind of been around for a long time, but perfecting it and fine-tuning it into a way that really has, no pun intended, impact is significant and is key. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about that from your perspective being inside.
3: Yeah, I agree, actually. And sometimes it's hard to sort of see that when you, you know, on the day-to-day or sort of just doing the work. But I do think that was... Part of the vision um, was really because it has so much intuitive appeal, the concept, but it hasn't necessarily been kind of implemented effectively. And I think that was really the nut that we wanted to crack. So I think, you know, there's been certain milestones. that has been really exciting. I think every time we do a, a study of the program and the results come back great, that, you know, feels fantastic because we know it's continuing to work. And in some ways, the results only look better you know, the program was expanded to the Veterans Affairs Medical Center here in Philadelphia. So we serve veterans, which is a really important population to be able to to connect to someone like a community health worker. The program was adopted by Keystone First, the largest managed care organization in southeastern Pennsylvania, to be able to work with um, its members. We've been working with groups across the country who have been really interested in kind of learning from what we do. And so each of those milestones has been really important. And affirming to us um, and also teaches us things about, you know, how does this look different in other places? And what does that mean about, you know, how we can continue to help grow the field? Like, I think, you know, estimates range from between like 50,000 to 120,000 community health workers that already exist in the United States. And every year that number grows by, I think it's something like 14%. Because again, as I mentioned before, there's a lot happening in the policy and financing environment for healthcare that makes organizations of all sizes look to this as a solution. And I do think we have a proven solution that's growing increasingly attractive to other organizations. And we're happy to be able to play that role and help other organizations.
2: winding our way through the bustling hallways of the hospital of the university of pennsylvania it's easy for a visitor like me to get lost or even become overwhelmed in this beautiful state-of-the-art facility and it's really clear that the impact program at penn can help it's all about trust and confidence trusting a system that is intended to help but that can also be so overwhelming for some people that they may not actually seek the health care they need. And confidence, the confidence that the community health worker, someone like Clasida, is at your side, helping you to understand all of those unfamiliar medical terms and sort through the forms and provide that level of comfort that, frankly, we all need when dealing with a health care situation. We've often heard this, that many folks, to your point, who just haven't had experience navigating the health system, will often use the emergency room as their primary care physician. Very costly, very inefficient. So having you there to help navigate that really helps not only the patient have a better quality of life and a better quality of health care, but also eases the burden and the pressure on the overall health system. So that it can operate more efficiently and more effectively, frankly, the way it was intended to operate.
4: Right. An ambulance ride, I believe, is like $500 or something one way. When you're facing that and you don't have insurance to cover it, that's hard. Especially when you feel as though that's your only option. Right. So for us to be able to help give them the resources to get them transportation to and from their doctors, a lot of people, they don't go to doctors, they don't have no way there Right. because they don't know the resources that are available to get them there. Right. So to be able to connect them, to keep them connected, Mm -hmm. these are key things to help all of the people in all West and Southwest Philadelphia that we serve now to help them to try to manage their health care so that they don't have those issues when okay there was something wrong I needed to go to the hospital and then now that I'm out I'm faced with this bill
0: now this impact model is being rolled out all across the country you gotta check out the full interview at
2: 1210wpht.com slash select so how do you get to your doctor's appointment when you don't have access to transportation this startup answers that question next
1: Philadelphia region has over 3 million skilled workers in virtually all occupations and industry sectors. Our diverse workforce contributes to the success of regional, national, and international companies throughout the community. For more information on Philadelphia's workforce, visit selectgreaterphl.com or listen to the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast at radio.com.
3: Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Royer Cooper Cohen Brownfelds LLC, a proud investor in select Greater Philadelphia Council. RCCB are attorneys who think and act like entrepreneurs and business people, combining sophisticated, cost-effective legal counseling with entrepreneurial approaches and creative thinking. RCCB serves companies, business executives, and investors, as well
4: as individuals and their families. Learn more about RCCB at RCCBlaw.com. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Comcast NBC Universal, a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia Council. Comcast is a global media and technology company that drives information to create the best entertainment and connectivity experiences. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com.
3: A building is much more than the foundation, the roof, and the walls. A building represents reliability. I'm Amy Novak with Torcon, Inc., and we're proud members of the General Building Contractors Association. We build places of hope and opportunity hospitals for children and universities for future leaders. GBCA represents the strongest, safest and most reliable commercial contractors in the Philadelphia region. Torcon is the GBCA. We are the new standard of building excellence. Visit gbca.com to learn more. This
1: segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Drexel University. Drexel University was founded in 1891 and is one of the region's top 10 private employers with three campuses in Philadelphia. Learn more about Drexel University. University at Drexel.edu or call 215-895-2000. Growing Greater Philadelphia, bringing you the people and projects that are transforming our collective community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania.
2: There are thousands of doctors and medical service providers all across our 11-county neighborhood who are offering truly state-of-the-art care, but sometimes... Patients don't even have access to those medical professionals because of basic transportation needs. I honestly haven't even
0: thought about that need, but one entrepreneur saw firsthand this need to help people that aren't able to travel to their appointments themselves. He's Mark Switaj, and he's the founder and CEO of this novel startup company called Round Trip. And next, he explains how his company created a solution to this problem.
5: We are the single touch point for ordering medical transportation. This is a real problem. 3.6 million people every single year miss or delay care because of transportation. So say that a couple of different ways. Hmm. 25%, a quarter of every patient appointment is missed or delayed because of transportation issues. We've seen this firsthand. I come from the medical transportation space, actually worked for the nation's largest provider in this space. So I witnessed it from the provider side. Why are all these delays happening? Excess capacity, coordination, all of that. And then uh, really in 2016, I took that leap into founding Roundtrip. trip and spent, gosh, better part of 12 months working with hospitals, with transportation companies, with patients in the greater Philadelphia area and beyond to say, you know, what is your experience? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you hearing? Right. And uh, how can we make this better? And
2: fast forward to today, we're a thriving business as a result. So you would mention, you know, candidly, transportation is a challenge in the medical space and specifically among a certain population of Medicare recipients. Sure. Why is it such a challenge? What's happening that's causing these misses, if you will, in terms of getting a patient from point A to point B?
5: Yeah, and this issue is really across multiple payer groups, like right? Medicare, Medicaid. We can break it down that way for sure. But really what we're talking about is specialized population of individuals that need to get to a medical appointment. So... Arguably, we're not talking about folks like me that can get into a vehicle, that can drive themselves, or they know how to to order through an app or through a phone call to get a ride. No, no, no. We're talking about individuals that need help with coordinating the ride, uh, and that's what we do. So if you really break down the population that we're serving, many of the folks that are, are receiving our rides, I will argue... 80, 90% of those folks are from the underserved population. Maybe they're of um, an elderly group that need assistance, either ordering a ride, getting in and out of a vehicle, or they're of a particular financial class where they don't have the financial means to pay for that ride. And they would rely on others for assistance to coordinate that ride for them. So we're really focused on a specialized group of individuals that need, call it a little extra TLC, getting access to that ride and getting to their destination.
2: So one of the things I love about Roundtrip is you and your colleagues actually have professional experience working in this space for other you know, professional providers who do this. But you saw an opportunity. You saw something was a little bit off here, if you will. And I'm really interested in that moment that you had that said, you know what, we can do this better and we're going to. So when coming from this space, it is and has
5: been phone based. The phone's a great tool, right? Uh, It's easy to use. it's, It's everywhere. But there's a lot that's lost in phone. What do I mean by that? For folks that need rides, many of them rely on picking up the phone and ordering a taxi or ordering a specialized medical transport vehicle to get them to where they need to go. But gosh, should I remember to order that ride? Or what if the daughter, or the son is ordering the ride, or a care coordinator, a nurse would be ordering that ride on behalf of that, that rider or patient? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want to use technology, right? So we are a technology first company that allows for technology to help improve the coordination of the ride sequence. And we built a whole company around that. And you can visit our website and see that, rideroundtrip.com. But really, we work with healthcare organizations that are so focused on outcomes of patients. It's not about the ride. It's about the outcome from that
2: ride. That's where we are focused. So I know that access to technology still needs improvement, but it's better than I think the average observer thinks it is, especially with certain populations, whether it's underserved or elderly, but the ability to utilize that Technology, is that something that you've seen a barrier to or is it pretty much a plug and play ease of use opportunity?
5: Yeah, we've seen actually a lot of people think of this as a binary space because we are looking at a specialized population of individuals, folks that need assistance with coordinating rides. They either think technology will work or technology won't work. In our model, we're a hybrid of the two. So if you are somebody that has access to a telephone or heck, even a smartphone, our model does allow for the communication of ride information to that individual. We go transparent on the data, folks are empowered, and they get to their appointments. For folks that maybe don't have a smartphone or let's say are visually impaired, our model doesn't use an app or a text. We can actually voice call you with the same information that we would have shared through an app. So that's how we further expanded access and coordination. And finally, in various programs, we actually allow for phone-in requests. Yes, you can still do the old-fashioned way of a phone-in request, but what we're seeing is by offering a technology solution to kind of round out that uh, that historical model, folks are seeing the real value. The more folks that we can have ordering through technology and receiving ride information through technology, the lower the price point becomes, and the more we can serve individuals,
2: and the more convenient, and, and, more the, more, convenient. and the more and the more empowered a user also feels. I've I've seen it myself, where uh, someone who's not used to using technology, regardless of age or ability, once they have that first experience and they realize that. this isn't that difficult at all, and they actually feel empowered and they gain that confidence, then they're more likely to use it than the traditional way of a phone call. Exactly. In order for this type of business to work, I imagine you have to work kind of closely with some type of transportation company. Is that right? That's exactly correct. So we work with transportation providers that are the experts
5: in this space. We have a nationwide partnership with Lyft, a phenomenal organization that provides that door-to-door or curb to curb I should say, level of service where an individual could get into that ride, into that vehicle, and go point A to point B. The beauty of that model is we can work together with a healthcare organization to order a lift ride and bring them across the street, across the town, across the county, or across the state. And we've done that. Uh, we've gone hundreds of miles in lift vehicles at a price point which is, you know, incredible for this space, 30 to 40% cheaper than a traditional model. And additionally, we work with more advanced transportation providers. There are individuals, for one reason or another, that can't get into a lift vehicle, physical inability or behavioral health reasons, and we work with credentialed medical transport companies think like a, a what we call a medical sedans a driver that might assist that individual into a facility or out of a facility a wheelchair van or even a non-emergency ambulance or a stretcher vehicle for folks that can't get out of bed but still need to go to say a dialysis treatment
2: or chemo mm-hmm. radiation treatment sure and it does sound like it's a winning model for everybody. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, for the patient and their family, for the healthcare provider, for the health insurance provider, to your point earlier, we're able to better manage the health care process, keep costs in check, have a healthier patient, but it's also beneficial for the transportation provider, whether it's Lyft or a more traditional transportation provider, you're really satisfying and coordinating a continuum of care through effective transportation that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And and if I could, I
5: actually have a couple of stories that I'll share. I would love to Um, So right here in the greater Philadelphia area, we have a client with whom we work. And long story short, it was a Friday and they needed to book a ride for a patient. I don't have all the details, but they didn't book the ride through us on Friday. Saturday morning, which is typically a lower volume day, we got the ride request from the facility. And it was a long distance trip for an individual that the facility, for one reason or another, had been trying to orchestrate, coordinate the ride on their own aha uh-huh, oh yeah we have this relationship with Roundtrip. why aren't we using them and they put the ride request into our system they put a lot of notes in when they put that ride request in and they said we've been searching high and low to find a transport provider to get this done we can't get it done and at this point we think this patient is going to stay with us in our hospital until monday or tuesday of next week again it's saturday right that saturday morning We got a ride done for that specialized ride type. Uh, That was a wheelchair vehicle that needed to show up for that patient. We got that ride done that Saturday morning. Two outcomes, right? So first was the patient. The patient got to their destination three days earlier than anticipated. Mm -hmm. As a result, betterment of health, betterment of outcomes, patient experience scores were probably better but from the financial impact, right? A patient that stays in a healthcare organization three days longer is very, very expensive and costly to the system. So we move that patient to that betterment of health much, much faster.
0: To find out how Mark continues to make his business a success and to hear all of the stories of business growth and inspiring entrepreneurship,
2: gotta head online to 1210WPHT.com slash select. Growing Greater Philadelphia is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia. We're a council of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia and we're the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. We work to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our neighborhood thanks to our investors and partners who believe in our efforts special thanks to program producers elena Carmazan and maricela juarez and writer samara grizel and our researcher steve boucher learn more at select and tune into our podcast at 1210 wpht.com slash select
3: Liberty Property Trust is a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia Council, redefining Greater Philadelphia's landscape for 40 years. Liberty Property Trust is a national leader in high-performance, sustainable industrial and office properties. To learn more about how Liberty can help your business accomplish more, visit libertyproperty.com.
0: Independence Blue Cross is a leading health insurance company, offering health plans including managed care, Medicare, and Medicaid with over 10,000 dedicated employees. Learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. This is a citizen's perspective on planning for retirement, also known as the five stages of grief, presented by me, Tony Goes, Premier Relationship Manager at Citizens Bank. When it comes to helping my clients, like Dave here, plan for retirement, I get this a lot. First comes denial. Not worried. Definitely not worried. I've got plenty of time and money. Then anger. What was I thinking? Why didn't I start saving more years ago? Then fear. What am I going to do now? This is bad, right? Right? Then comes bargaining. Okay, how about this? Here's an idea. What if I start saving more next year? Then finally, acceptance. Maybe we should get started. I can help take the grief out of planning for retirement. Ask me. Tony goes, how a Citizens Retirement Checkup can help you reach your potential. Citizens Bank is a brand
2: name of Citizens Bank N.A. and Citizens Bank of Pennsylvania. Member FDIC. Citizens Bank Wealth Management is comprised of both bank and brokerage affiliated companies.
1: First medical college, pharmacy school, university, private biomedical research center. Greater Philadelphia is a region of firsts. These milestones have produced a spirit of collaboration that continues today. For more information on collaborative projects in Philadelphia, visit selectgreaterphl.com.